Welcome to the SLP Stress Management Podcast, your place to manage stress, reduce the risk of burnout, and find more balance in your life in and out of being an SLP. I'm your host, Jesse Andrix, and in today's episode, I'll share a practice you can use to not only feel more calm and steady, but to relax. We'll also take a moment to meditate and just in a way, clear your mind. And I'll also share one of the big things that helped me feel like I was finally in it and thriving as an SLP for the first time in my 15 years since graduating. I cannot wait to share this with you, so let's dive right in. Welcome to your weekly wellness tip. Today I have a breathing practice for you that will not only help you find calm, but help you to relax. So those times when you want to feel some relaxation to really let go um, and just feel beyond calm, this breathing practice is for you. So when we're finding a calm breath or you know bringing some steadiness in, it's really common to find a steady deep breath that is balanced between your inhale and your exhale. If you want to take that a step further and bring it into a more relaxed breath, you can extend your exhale. So having an even balanced breath between your inhale and exhale has this quality of bringing calm into your body. It has this like signal that it sends um, from your breath, from your body up to the brain that you are okay because when you are calm, your breath is steady and even naturally. When you are relaxed, the exhale grows a little deeper because the exhale is the more calm and relaxing part of your breath. So yes, inhale and exhale balanced is calming, but the exhale itself is even more relaxing to your nervous system. So if you can extend that, it sends this message of not only do I want to find calm, but I'm ready to relax. So what you can do is to count the breath. So instead of counting, you know, in for four, out for four, or in for five, out for five, you extend your exhale. Maybe you breathe in for four, out for five, or six. Maybe you breathe in for five, out for six. So whatever it is, that exhale has one or two more counts. And you can take maybe five rounds of breath, maybe 10 rounds of breath. If you want to sit and do like a five minute timer and make it a meditation practice, go for it. So give this a try. And if you want a little more guidance, you could follow along um, over on Instagram. Look for the Mindful Monday um, over at Jesse Andrix and let me know how it goes. Need some new fun SLP apparel as you head back into this school year? Look no further than Peachy Speechy. You can click the link below for Peachy Speechy and get 10% off your next purchase with super fun and inspirational shirts and more to not only represent the SLP team, 
but to share a little bit of your personality while you do it. Head over to that link, grab some amazing things, and get 10% off. Let's take a moment to meditate. One of the things that can be really confusing when you do a meditation or first start even attempting to meditate can be this popular mindset and phrase, clear your mind. Now, I really used to love this yoga program um, that was on, I think, Discovery Health way back in the day. And this was um, kind of part of their like intro for the show was like, you know, move your body, clear your mind. And while that sounded really exciting, it also seemed really impossible. I could never quite clear my mind. And it kept me for a long time, you know, hearing this message in classes and just in, about meditation in general, it kept me from beginning a meditation practice. And so today we want to take that concept of clearing your mind and know that it's not really about having a blank slate, but about not attaching yourself to those thoughts. So becoming just an observer of them and letting them flow and know that if they are super important, something that um, you really need it will come back to you, right? You will have that thought another time in another moment, but that most of our thoughts are just these little fleeting things that pick up and that we decide if we're gonna get attached to. And when we get attached to them, it can spiral into a lot of things. So taking a moment to um, kind of like clear the pebbles out of a river and let the river flow freely. So let's take a moment to sit. Find a comfortable seat, maybe your bottom is in the seat, um, or you're sitting on a floor or a meditation cushion. If you are in a chair, let your feet touch down on the ground, or you can bring them up and sit cross-legged. Let your hands just rest in your lap and grow tall through the spine, lifting from the crown of the head, lifting the rib cage off the waist, not to be rigid, but just to find space. Space to breathe. And begin to breathe, if you can, in and out through your nose, letting your focus be there for a moment. Maybe following a mantra of inhale, exhale, or breathe in, breathe out. Or maybe just focusing on that point, maybe right at the end of the nose or right above your upper lip where the breath comes in and leaves. And as you settle into the breath, you may notice maybe almost like intruding thoughts. Not that they are banging down the door to get your attention, but that they are there. They are constantly there. So start to shift your focus to these thoughts. At first, noticing them without judging them, 
but more importantly, without attaching yourself to them. And this is a practice, right? It's a meditation practice. So what may happen is that you may find yourself attached to one of the thoughts. And that's okay. Allow yourself to come back to letting it go. One of the ways you can imagine is that these thoughts are just a stream. They are a river, right? It's constantly flowing from one direction down through the other. So maybe imagine these thoughts coming in from the right, flowing through and leaving out the left. Noticing and acknowledging each one as if there was a leaf or a stick floating on top of the river. You could reach and grab it, right? And you could hold on to it and you could collect these over and over again until you felt that you were so full in your arms and so heavy carrying these that you can't move anymore and you feel completely stuck and overwhelmed. Or you can notice that there's a stick. You can notice that there's a leaf and you can allow it to just drift past, knowing that if you needed to, you could find that stick or that leaf or one very close to it to come back to. And sometimes it's more of a branch almost like it's going to create a dam. But even then, letting it find its way to flow through. And just continue with this for the next few breaths, the next few moments, just noticing these thoughts like a river, these leaves, these sticks, these pebbles, float on by. And so while your mind may not be a blank slate, completely clear, there's flow. And when we're in a flow state, when things are moving, it helps us to let go of all of those other things that are weighing us down, to be present, to be in it. I know that anytime you need to, you can tap right back into this. When you feel like your mind is overwhelmed with thoughts or just very busy, letting the thoughts drift. Acknowledging, noticing those leaves, those sticks on the river, and letting them float on. No attachment, just observing. Let me take just one more breath here. slowly open your eyes and you've completed your meditation practice. Thank you so much for joining in. This was not 
my first year working in the schools as an SLP. But it was my first year where I really leaned into being an SLP and truly enjoyed my work. Out of any setting and any work I've done in the field of being an SLP, this was the one where I felt like I had kind of landed. There was work, a lot of work, and stress, and things that were hard, but it wasn't dreadful or pushing me towards burnout. So what was the thing that made it different? Because it's not always about just changing your setting or finding a new path within this career. Sometimes you can move from job to job and yes, if you're leaving a toxic place, like it will be better and having a supportive place, 100% I agree is important and helps. But sometimes there can even be stress there. And people saying, oh, this is awful, when you feel that it's wonderful. So what is it, you know, the stress is there sometimes. So what was it for me that made it different beyond a good setting or a good schedule or whatever it might be where someone else may have thought it's not that great? There were a lot of factors. I know that I have done a lot of work and practices to get where I am with stress and work. And maybe I was in, I was fortunate to be in a really great setting, in a really great place. But perhaps it was something more. For me, when I think about it, it was connection. Connection with the students and the team made all the difference. And I don't know how it happened, luck perhaps, or maybe, you know, manifesting it after years of not being where I wanted, um, finally not putting up with it anymore, and then finding the right place, but it happened. I landed in a work setting that I actually really enjoyed, and for the first time, truly, I enjoyed working as an SLP. There was no part of me that was like, this is just what I'm doing for right now, or this is the stepping stone to a different thing, or which none of that is wrong, but um, there was nothing where I was thinking when I get out of this. So part of this was absolutely the setting itself. It was very positive, uplifting, and welcoming place. But it was also that I showed up as I was, comfortable in my abilities and in my lack of skills. And I was there to do what I could, not what I thought I should look like or what I thought an SLP should be doing. Just what I could do with my skills as an SLP and learn as I needed. I started with the summer to see if I liked it. So it was like a bit of a test and it was a way for me, honestly, after two years off during COVID of not working, I, I just wanted to do something. Um, and I thought, why not, you know, help out over the summer? Um, 
because there was no real pressure, right? If I didn't like it, it was only for a few weeks and then I didn't have to go back. Like I could just be done and say like, okay, thanks for that experience. Um, and I would know for sure if I was like not going in that direction, right? If this wasn't what I wanted to do. If I did like it though, I could stay on. I could offer to help out during the school year. And what happened was that I really loved it. And I thought it was fun. And I enjoyed the students and all the different ages in, you know, in an elementary school. And I just thought, yeah, this would be fun to, to come in and do during the school year, even though I'm sure that the school year would be much more work than the summer. And it was. Um, and what I realized as the year went on was that I enjoyed it even more than I had over the summer. Part of what was so great was being allowed to say things like, I have no idea how to do this, or that did not work like I thought. Whether I was talking to a coworker, an admin, a lead in the district, or my students. And no one expected miracles from me. I didn't expect them or huge sweeping changes in the skills for those that I worked with or that I would know everything. It was okay for me to say, I'm not sure, and then find out how to do it or who to refer to. Being honest and being able to be honest was what made the difference and grew those connections between adults I worked with, but also the students I worked with on my caseload and their families. If I could say, um, that didn't really work like I thought, or let's try something and we'll just see how it goes, then they knew they didn't have to be perfect to do it all right away. And it could take the pressure off as well. It wasn't an excuse to like sit back and do nothing, but an invitation to show up as they were that day and use it in a realistic way to work on their skills. And while there were a lot of different ways that this was done, there were a few that I felt really helped and that I wanted to share with you in case you were looking for ways to get more connected to your work. So here are a few ways that helped me grow this connection with my own work, with who I worked with, and who I was working for. The first one, just being honest about not knowing. As I mentioned in a previous post and episode, there was a lot I did not know going in. Um, some of it was just different like procedures, I guess, like not necessarily policies, um, like you know, just skills like not knowing how to, um, where to find information, right? Like being like, okay, what website is, are we using within our district? Or, um, you know, who has this manual that I need? Or um, things like how do I log in or write a progress report? Or how do I log in my information? That type of thing. Or not knowing that I was supposed to do something, like not knowing I was supposed to hold part of a meeting or not knowing I was supposed to file something that are really things that as a new SLP or an SLP that's switching settings so it feels brand new or coming back to it after a while, that's 
they're just little kind of learning experiences that will will be there and can be things that are frustrating and that make you feel like you're not enough or we can look at them as just things to learn like what did I learn here what can I use going forward a new skill set some of the things were also you know some therapy things like oh you know what I've never had to do this or haven't had to do it in a while what type of thing do we do now what's an activity or what am I really looking to get from this so I felt it was super important to own that and not fake that I knew it, which is sometimes the opposite of the advice that we are given. We often hear fake it till you make it, but that's not real, right? It's not acknowledging that it's not honest and it's not giving you the mindset to learn and to grow and so you will always feel stuck and always feel that you are faking it and so for me I didn't want to do that I didn't want to pretend I knew something I would just say like I have no idea what to do I don't know and I'd ask questions to clarify or I would say, I don't know how to use this, so I'm not going to, right? If it's like, oh, you can use this test or this one, be like, well, I don't have a lot of experience with that and I know I don't have time to sit and learn it, so I will use the one that I know. Um, or maybe it was, I don't know this, but where can I learn it? Where can I find out more information? What resource can I use? What is this thing that we're using? Or what is this thing that some other department is using? Like. Is that something that I can can start supporting or start working with too? Because that was the only way I was going to learn and know what to do with it, right? It was not always easy to like to say that or to fess up to, um, but it always helped with stress in the long run and with feeling more connected and honest with the people I was around and with feeling that I was not an imposter, that I was an SLP. Another thing that helped me with this concept of connection was offering to help and meaning it. <sighs> I know some of you heard that, offering to help, and thought, you know, we already do enough. We don't need to be helping. Like, we are not going to do more when we already can't do the things that are on our job list. And so I get that. Um, this is a little different. So there's a lot that we do and we don't always have time for things other than like straight up SLP work. But when I could, if there was an opportunity that I could help and not, not like pushing my boundaries away or taking time uh, off of things, but if I could help, I'd offer to help. Whether it was, um, you know, or I'd let them know they can always ask me if it's needed. Like, if you need help with something, you can ask me and I'll let you know if I can help or not. Um, it wasn't doing someone else's job for them or, you know, being like, oh, I always volunteer if they need help with bus duty or carpool or something like that. But like, sometimes if somebody was like, hey, what did you think when when you were working with this student or there's a student and I'm just not sure like do you think this might be um, you know 
speech like a speech thing or do you think this might just be learning disability or um you know have you ever heard of this before so kind of like just just you know chatting things out with someone or sometimes like being a sounding board for an upcoming meeting like maybe someone's like hey I think this is how this is going to go and I've just been having a really hard time with it like what do you think um or just helping out one thing that I did um was offering to help out if I could like if there was going to be a like a sub in a class like the teacher was out and it was a class that you know the students kind of stayed in that that one classroom there were a lot of needs in that class that if you know if I knew that the day was going to be different or or if there was going to be you know people out and it was on a day that I didn't normally see them but I could easily swap it with a different session I would say like hey do you want me to you know to come into class like do you want me to help out and, and see if I can swap a couple you know just like swap with um, you know my Tuesday and Wednesday if you're gonna be out Wednesday I could come in and and I could see Wednesday's Wednesday's group on Tuesday like little things that were simple and that really didn't affect my time or anything like that um, so that you know people just like would know that I was there that I wasn't just coming in like I'm speech and then I'm out um, my favorite thing was helping out during field day so I went with one of my classes and you know I don't think that I ended up billing it as a therapy day but like definitely there's so much language right and so many things that you can see your students out there in you know in a different element where they're getting a little more freedom and it's not as structured and seeing them play and noticing like okay how is the language showing up here and also just letting them know like hey I'm here with you and I'm here to help you all out because I am one of your teachers like I am one of your people I am your therapist and I'm part of your team so if I could I would offer and I would mean it and if I couldn't then I wouldn't offer because I considered myself part of the team and not just the SLP who was stopping by another thing that helped to build connection was me showing up to learn and grow so not showing up to be perfect, not showing up to be the, like not even showing up to be like be the expert, right? To be like the, oh, I know this. But, and, and not showing up to say that like, I didn't know something. But coming at it, like if I showed up to be just as I was, like, or, you know, to stay, just as I was then it wouldn't leave me any room to grow and learn it wouldn't leave me any room to you know really fully communicate right that like two-way communication to share to explore and to build connections with my students or co-workers so instead of showing up as like oh I know it all already I showed up with what can I learn from this so sometimes it was new skills in therapy right like if I learned something from another SLP or I learned something um, you know from the district or I learned something from a teacher or an OT or you know just something else seeing what I could learn also sometimes learning what I did not want to do so seeing a way that someone else worked with a student and saying that is not what I'm going to do and then sometimes learning what would or would not work for me so again sometimes it was seeing how someone else was doing something and saying that's not going to work for me or you know trying something and 
thinking that it would not work or would work and it being the opposite. And so that was a big thing that I felt helped me stay connected to, you know, to people, but also to the work that I was doing and to being an SLP without feeling overwhelmed or feeling stressed about it or feeling um, that I had to be perfect. So it really helped with imposter syndrome. And along those lines, another thing that really helped was not expecting perfection or even superstructure from my students. So you might say that I kept things loosey-goosey. <laughs> so it was not unusual for my students to like get up in the middle of a session to change their type of seating. Maybe, you know, to sit on the floor or grab a wobble seat or grab a regular seat. Um, to stand up and walk around. You know, I had one student that when it was her turn, um, she would get up and kind of pace back and forth or like do some laps around the room to get her brain flowing and to get things thinking. Or for them to go and grab a sensory item. So to go and grab a fidget or a poppet or whatever it might be, always knowing that those were meant you know, and, and I would give the reminder sometimes, you know, these are things that are meant to help you focus, to keep you engaged, and not to, um, you know, just totally distract. And if they did, we would put them back. So if you stop by my room, someone was bound to be moving. Um, and often we were up doing our activities. And I know it's not for everyone, um, but it's how I liked for things to be. And if a student needed it and it was okay, you know, if I was okay with them getting up to move around, as long as it helped them participate and not distract them from others or distract others from learning, then it was, it was a go, you know, it, it was awesome. And I had this like class um, motto where we talked about how in speech we make mistakes we try again and we are not trying to be perfect we're just there to learn we're just there to keep learning and moving forward so kind of having that foundation from some growth mindset was part of my room and building connection and rapport together and then another thing that really helped with connection with my students was to cheer them on no matter what because Everyone puts in what they can that day, me and the students, and we're not expected to get 100% each time. And I think this is something that's really helpful because sometimes we get so um, set on trying to reach whatever that goal that we have is, you know, like 80% or three out of or four out of five times, or, um, you know, if you have a goal that's even stricter, like 90%, hopefully not 100, because it doesn't make a lot of sense. But, um, you know, having those, like, it can be really easy to be like, oh, you didn't reach it today. But looking at, you know, looking at who we work as work with as humans, right? Like some people just have days where you're not feeling as well or something's up and your 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 bar for 100% is going to be lower. So adults have plenty of these days where we do not feel 100% and it is hard for us to acknowledge it. But it's even harder at times for us to understand and accept it in our students. Um so in my room, one thing that I found to be helpful, and I will definitely touch on this um, in a few upcoming um, episodes, is that I had this like meditation-ish calm area. Um, it was just like some pillows and this little fluffy rug. It wasn't even in a corner or anything like, you know, it, what, there wasn't really a nook. It was just kind of a spot and it was usually behind where we were working. But if, um, 
if a student came in, you know, like and was feeling overwhelmed or they just were having a day where they were like, I'm not quite ready. I, I need a moment. I'm feeling anxious. Or if it happened in the middle of a session, they were allowed to sit there um, to take a step back for a bit and um, and then, you know, stay there as long as they needed. So a few people used it and they would come in and join when they were able They'd you know, take that moment to sit back there and, and you know, we'd continue with the activity and then when they were ready, they'd come in. Another thing I made sure was to cheer everyone on for their effort, not the percentage that they got correct. So definitely like if they, you know, if we were working on R and suddenly they were making like R after R after R, then yeah, of course, cheer them on. Be like, oh my gosh, like, you know, look at this, way to go. Like you've been working so hard and it's totally showing, you know, just all of these things. But also if they weren't doing it, being like, you know, just cheering them on for their effort. Like, thank you for showing up today and putting in this work. Like, it is so hard and you are doing it and you are staying engaged and I appreciate that so much and like, way to go. And just cheering everyone on so that, you know, it wasn't like I have to go to speech and be told that I'm not doing enough. And thanking them for coming to my class and participating. So, the more you are connected, the more you get out of the sessions for you and the students. And then there's this trust and comfort that is so needed for learning. So in any upcoming year or work, I will take some of these lessons and experiences to help me find connection and know that like for me at least, it's such a driving force to keep stress from building for me and to feel connected to the work, to feel part of it, like to, to keep that, you know, to keep your why really, um, like not having to dig to find it every time, but for it to just be fused into the day. It's not always easy, but it's so worth it. So when was a moment that you felt really connected to your work um, or, you know, that you felt connections with your students, your clients, your coworkers? I'd love you to share in the comments or, you know, send me a message over at Instagram at Jesse Andrix and I'd love to hear but also to chat with you about this. And if you want more resources to help you move into a new year or like if you're just still in it, um, you can subscribe below for free resources in the SLP toolbox including meditation audios, movement videos, and self-care tips and templates. And if you want to gain a skill in bringing mindfulness to your classroom or speech room for the upcoming year, make sure to sign up for the waitlist and be the first to know when my new course on mindfulness in your speech room opens. Plus, you'll snag an exclusive discount on enrollment. So click here, enter your email, and confirm your sign up for all the details. Thank you so much for being here. Love and light to you. Have you ever thought about bringing some concepts of mindfulness or yoga into your speech room or your clinic or your classroom and maybe you just weren't sure what that even meant or how to do it? This has been one of my favorite things to infuse in my personal speech room, in my classroom, and when working with my students and within my own mindset. And what I found this year is that it looked very different than I ever thought and was way easier than I ever imagined. 
If you'd like to learn some things that I did and some of the background behind these and how you can infuse them into your speech room or clinic or classroom, then make sure to get on the wait list for mindfulness in your speech room. It's a brand new course that I will be launching that will teach you exactly these things and help you get started infusing these into your room. Click on the link below to sign up for the wait list. And while you're waiting, you'll also get access to free resources and tools to help you bring in more mindfulness and yoga and stress management in your life and day. Click on that link below, sign up, and join in that waitlist to be the first to know when enrollment opens.